Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And we're going to focus on verses 2 and 3 this evening, which are about having faith instead of fear in the midst of our enemies. Something we can have as Christians because of who our God is for us. And yet something we sometimes lack in the face of our enemies, don't we? I think we'd probably all say that in the face of our enemies, we'd like to have more faith and less fear. We'd like to be more like David in this psalm. We'd like to be more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I trust that God will be gracious to move us in that direction this evening as we receive his word with humility and an eagerness to learn and grow. So let's take a moment to pray for those things and then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we do pray that you'd give us humility and an eagerness to learn and grow under your word. We do struggle with fear oftentimes really means we struggle with faith and we want to have more of the courage David displays here in this psalm that even though an army of enemies would encamp against him his heart would not fear Lord give us that kind of heart increase our faith and decrease our fear help us to trust in you more and to walk by faith and not in fear. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27, I'll start at the beginning for a bit of context. And again, our focus is gonna be on verses two and three this evening. Psalm 27, the word of God. Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. We're going to look first at what David says in verse 2 about evildoers, adversaries, and foes, and then at what he says in verse 3 about armies and wars, and the faith and the confidence in God that he was able to have in the midst of all those enemies, and that we can have too as God's people today. So, first, let's see what he says about evildoers, adversaries, and foes. In verse 2, he says in verse 2, reading it again, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. We'll consider first who these enemies are, then what they do, then where they end up. Who they are, what they do where they end up. In terms of who these enemies are, David refers to them as evildoers. 
evil doers, that is, those who do evil, people who don't abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good, like we talked about this morning, but who hold fast to what is evil and abhor what is good in the eyes of God. He refers to them also as adversaries, that is, those who are against him and against God, those who are opposed to him and opposed to God, like our ultimate adversary, the devil, 1 Peter 4, 8, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. David also refers to them as foes, enemies, those on the other side of the battlefield wearing the enemy uniform, those characterized by hostility and hatred and enmity towards David and towards God. In David's experience, these enemies could be the surrounding nations who were unbelieving, or it could be the unbelieving within the nation of Israel, so unfaithful Israelites. But regardless, they were his enemies. They were evildoers, adversaries, and foes. Who are our enemies today as the people of God? Our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil and all his demons are our enemies. The world of unbelievers in rebellion against God, they are also our enemies. And then we have an enemy within, don't we? Our own flesh, that remnant of corruption and sin that remains within us even after we're converted. Those are our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we have real physical enemies and we have real spiritual enemies as well. And let me say two brief things about that by way of application. First of all, I think this helps us remember that the Christian life is lived on a battlefield, not in a castle. See, in a castle, there's no enemies. But outside the castle, on the battlefield, that's where the enemies are. That's where the battle rages. And the Christian life is lived on the battlefield, not in the castle. There's enemies all around us. And it can help us to be more mindful of that so that we live more like a soldier on a battlefield than a soldier in the comfort and safety of his own castle with his guard down. The Christian life is lived on a battlefield, not in a castle. And secondly, this is an opportunity for us to remember also that our enemies are not each other. Our enemies are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not the enemy, they're family. Our enemies are the evildoers, adversaries, and foes of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're all on the same team as believers. We're all on the same side together. Your fellow church members are all wearing the same uniform, and it's not the enemy uniform. Of course, we do have disagreements at times, and sadly, we do hurt each other at times. Sometimes, we act like enemies, but we aren't enemies, and God has given us the resources of his word and his grace to help us work through that 
and to learn to live like family and to treat each other like family, not the enemy. Our enemies are not each other. Our enemies are the evildoers, adversaries, and foes of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So in verse 2, David tells us who these enemies are. Then secondly, he tells us what these enemies do. He says that they, quote, assail me to eat up my flesh. They assail me, he says. They assault me. They attack me. They abuse me. They come against me. They oppose me. They assail me to eat up my flesh. The imagery is of a wild animal. We might think of a lion tearing into a gazelle or a pack of wolves devouring a deer or perhaps even a school of piranhas shredding, skeletonizing a cow has fallen into the water. They assail me to eat up my flesh. They are spiritual cannibals. Psalm 14, verse 4. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? Proverbs 30, verse 14. These are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, referring to the rulers of Israel who were acting like enemies. And I said, hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Evildoers, adversaries and foes, assail David, assail us to eat up our flesh. What does that look like for us? Well, sometimes people might attack us with their words, the things they say to us or about us. They may treat us poorly in some way. They may even assault us physically. Also, we experience various forms of spiritual attack from the devil and his demons. We certainly face temptation from various sources, temptation to sin, including from our own flesh, from the sinful desires in our own hearts. Those things can all be rather subtle at times, but at other times, it can feel like we're just under attack. We're being assailed. Temptations can feel like a pack of wolves or even like that thrashing school of piranhas. They assail us to eat up our flesh. This is what our enemies do. If you're facing persecution right now, perhaps in your school or in your workplace, you are not alone. You're in good company. You're in the company of David. You're in the company of Christ who was reviled by the world. 
You're in the company of his disciples. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You're in the company of all believers. All who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So you're not alone in your experience of persecution. You're in the company of your fellow brothers and sisters. You're in the company of your persecuted Savior who is your refuge and redeemer. Perhaps it's temptation that you're facing right now. Maybe constant, flagrant temptation to sin. You're not alone. You're in good company too. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So don't lose heart this evening. Look to Christ in faith and take the way of escape. So this is what our enemies do They assail us to eat up our flesh. But what does David say, thirdly, about where our enemies end up? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Where do our enemies end up? They end up on the ground. They stumble and fall before us, before the Lord. Christ our King rules and defends us and restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. Our enemies try to get us to stumble and fall, but it is they who stumble and fall. Now, of course, we know this doesn't always happen didn't always happen for David. Sometimes when a temptation assails us, it is us who stumble and fall. Sometimes the wicked prosper. Sometimes the evildoer seems to win the battle against you in your school or in your workplace. Sometimes Satan seems to be having a field day. But I think what David is describing here is what has happened many times in our lives and what characteristically does happen in our lives as the people of God. We don't win every battle, but in God's strength, we do win many battles. And in God's strength, we can win any of the battles. And in God's strength, we will win the war. When evildoers assail us to eat up our flesh, our adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Two things by way of application here, then we'll look at verse three. First, if evildoers, adversaries, and foes are assailing us to eat up our flesh, that's actually a good sign. That's a sign that we're on the right side of the battlefield, that we're on the Lord's side. Kids, if you're playing a game with a bunch of your 
friends and there's two teams and you're not sure which team you're on. You're a little bit confused about that, but all the kids on one team are suddenly trying to get the ball from you. Then you know which team you're on. You're not on their team. You're on the other team. If evildoers, adversaries, and foes assail us, then we know we're not on their team, their side. Then we know we're on the Lord's side. That can be a great comfort and encouragement to us in the midst of the battle. Second, it's important for us to remember that our hope of victory in each battle and in the whole war is not in ourselves, it's in the Lord. See, before verse two, if you look, comes verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. The reason they stumble and fall is because the Lord is our light and our salvation and our stronghold. Our hope is in the Lord, not in ourselves. If it was just us versus our enemies, we would lose every time. But it's not just us versus our enemies. It's us and the Lord versus our enemies. And our hope of victory is in him. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses one through four. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Our hope of victory is not in ourselves. It's in the Lord. And that brings us to our second main point this evening. What David says in verse three now about armies and wars. Look at verse three. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. David says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Not because the army isn't real, but because God is real. Not because the army isn't mighty, but because God is mightier. Our enemies are real, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they encamp against us every day. But God is real, and God is stronger than our enemies, and God is with us 
and therefore our heart shall not fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We can live in faith. We can walk by faith. Like the priest was supposed to say to the people in Deuteronomy 20, hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Matthew Henry said, hosts cannot hurt us if the Lord of hosts protects us. Even though an army of hosts encamps against us, our hearts shall not fear because the Lord of hosts is with us. Turn back to Psalm 3 for just a minute. Psalm 3, where you can just listen. It's a short psalm. I'd like to read it because I think it's a great example of walking by faith in the Lord in the midst of enemies. Psalm 3. The title says, A Psalm of David, When He Fled from Absalom, His Son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. And if the psalm stopped there, there'd be no hope for David. I think that's often where we stop in terms of the thoughts that go through our minds in the midst of our enemies. But what does David think? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. You know, we can say the same thing David said. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I will not be afraid of many thousands of enemies who have set themselves against me all around. Why? Because the Lord is a shield about us. The Lord is our glory. The Lord is the lifter of our head. We cry aloud to him and he answers us from his holy hill. He sustains us. He saves us. He strikes our enemy's cheek and breaks our enemy's teeth. Salvation from our enemies belongs to him and comes from him. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Many will try, but none will succeed. Psalm 118, verses six and seven. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. 
if the Lord is on our side, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. They're no match for the Lord. And he is our helper. And therefore, we will look in triumph on our enemies. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not always the Lord's plan to remove our enemies. He prepares a table for us right in the midst of them. My heart shall not fear, David says. Isn't that that a wonderful phrase? My heart shall not fear. Fear not. God often says to us in the Bible. Parents, if you tell your kids something often, like don't forget to brush your teeth, you tell them often probably because they forget often and they need to be reminded I think that's why God tells us so often in the Bible, fear not, because he knows we're prone to forget. We're prone to fear. We're prone to unbelief where we fail to believe his promises. We're prone to ungodliness where God's just not on our radar. We're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love as we sing. We're prone to fear, and so God says, fear not. And also, there are fearful things in this world, aren't there? Again, our enemies are real, and they assail us. They do try to eat up our flesh. And therefore, God tells us, fear not. And so often in the Bible, He graciously gives us reasons to fear not. A well-known example being Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, That's the command, and that should be enough. We understand that. But then God gives us five reasons to fear not. Number one, for I am with you. Number two, for I am your God. Number three, I will strengthen you. Number four, I will help you. And number five, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's five points the five points of fear notism, if you will. Five reasons God gives us to fear not. There's always, always, always more reasons to fear not than there are to fear. There's always more reasons to walk by faith than to walk in fear. Then notice what David says in the second half of verse three. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. 
And clearly he doesn't mean he'll be confident in himself. He means he'll be confident in the Lord. And I think primarily he's thinking back to what he's just said about the Lord in verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If the Lord is our light and our salvation and our stronghold, then we can be confident even though spiritual war should arise against us. And in fact, that's what we are in, isn't it? We're in a spiritual war. And it's not easy. And in fact, it's quite bloody, so to speak. It's grueling and grinding and sometimes discouraging and disheartening. But if the Lord is our light and our salvation and our stronghold, then we can be confident in the victory and we don't have to fear. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So this is about faith instead of fear. Confidence in God instead of ourselves. That's what we can have. That's what we should have as the people of God. If you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you can walk by faith and not fear. And you can be confident in the victory. Two final things by way of application. First, I think it's important for us to be mindful of how faith and fear influence one another. It's when faith decreases that fear increases. And on the flip side, it's when faith increases that fear decreases. Like a seesaw, when one goes up, the other goes down. When we have faith in the Lord, when we trust in the Lord and who he is for us, then our fear of our enemies goes down. But when we lose sight of the Lord, when we lose sight of who he is for us, then our fear goes up. It increases. So if we're living in fear of our enemies, or if at any moment we are experiencing fear of our enemies, we can know that that's actually a faith problem. And the solution is to remember and believe the truth about God. That he is our light and our salvation and our stronghold. That our enemies are the ones who stumble and fall before him. That we can be confident in him who will fight for us. When we have faith in the Lord and who he is for us, then our hearts will not fear. When we walk by faith, we will not live in fear. So be mindful of how faith and fear influence each other. Remember God's words, fear not. And all the wonderful reasons he gives you to fear not. Ask him for faith to believe his promises. And then walk in faith, not in fear. Second, and finally, 
with all this talk about evildoers and adversaries and foes and armies and wars and the world, the flesh, and the devil assailing us, it's good for us to remember that one day our enemies will be no more. We'll leave the flesh behind once and for all. The world and the devil will be cast into the lake of fire forever. And we'll be able to hang up the full armor of God for good. We're not there yet. The battle's still raging, to be sure. But the point is that the end of the battle is coming. And we know how it ends. And knowing that can help us in the fight. It can help us to fight with hope and with confidence in God. It's like we just sang together from Psalm 46. To utmost ends of all the earth, he causes war to cease. The weapons of the strong destroyed, he makes abiding peace. Be still and know that I am God o'er all exalted high. The subject nations of the earth, my name shall magnify. The Lord of hosts is on our side, our safety to secure. The God of Jacob is for us a refuge, strong and sure. Because that's true, fear not. Walk by faith. Let's pray together. God, please help us to fear not. Help us to walk by faith. In the midst of our enemies, evildoers and adversaries and foes, armies and wars, the world, the flesh, and the devil, help us to walk by faith in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take just a minute to think and pray about what we've heard, and then we'll sing together.